How's it going, guys? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back. Episode 33. Uh, my name is Carlos Reyes. I'm a serial entrepreneur out of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm here with my business partner. What's up, guys? My name is Sal Shakir. I'm a serial entrepreneur out of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm a Catholic from Iraq. Moved here when I was 15 years old, alongside with my other business partner. Alex Science, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, 22-year-old real estate entrepreneur, started at the age of 18 in real estate, and now 22, and just climbing the ladder, trying and today, to get like this guy. Yeah, today we, we <laughs> t- today's exciting. Very. Listen, uh, we're all students of the game, you know? Some people are a lot better at certain things than others. 100%. And today's one of those days where we're just gonna just be quiet, maybe ask a few questions, and listen to our brother here, Mr. Zachary Keeps. Mr. Zachary Keeps... Thank you so much for finally joining us, brother. Okay, finally, finally it, made it happen, man. Yeah, thank we for, made it thank happen. You for making Larry the time. Bird to get me in here, episode thirty-three. Is that correct? Larry Legend. Yes. Larry, yes. Larry, Larry Legend. Joe. I love Larry Legend. I love Larry it. Legend. And uh, and you know what? Your discipline reminds me of Larry Legend. Really, Larry Legend wasn't the most athletic guy. Yep. Oof. Ouch. Oh, hold on, hold on, let me get there, <laughs> right? Jeez. And this is Larry Bird, by the way. He, he's a he's a he's a legend in basketball. He wasn't the most athletic guy, and uh, but what he did, his work regimen, his discipline, right? This guy would shoot like a thousand free throws a day, you know, before he went to school. When he came back from school, and work on his craft, and, and, and he he was a white guy in in a, a black man's sport at the time. I mean, this is when Michael Jordan was going crazy. Magic Johnson was going crazy, right? Yeah. And Larry yeah. was killing everybody. This guy could not even, like, I think he can barely dunk, and he was like 6'8", but he can shoot. He can, you know, he can do all that stuff. All well, you it. remind me of this, man, because of your your discipline, your tenacity in the game of business, in the game of real estate, and uh, and, and we're happy to have you, man. I'm so honored thank to you be so here. much. I appreciate for, that for opportunity. Being here. Thank you, Mr. Zach. Uh, Zach Keeps, aka Zach Ventures, That's right? right. Trash, the, to yeah. Yeah. Trash, trash to cash. Trash to cash. Trash um, to my man over here brought three different papers, like th- full of notes. So he's so ready. This he's guy ready to is ready to deliver value to everyone. So make sure you ask some questions. He is the buy and hold king here in Arizona, um, and the guy has been in the game longer than some of you have been alive. So. Keep asking those questions because my man here has has very his time is valuable. So let's make sure you use that very wisely. Absolutely. So um, let me say this: we're gonna start out with just your story, man. Just sure. just give us a rundown of you know where you come from. The good, the bad, the ugly, the, good, the truth. The bad, the ugly, the <laughs> ups, the down. down. So yeah, break this let's down go. for us, baby. Where did all so start? again? Love being here. Love your energy, and I'm super impressed by you guys. I mean, you guys came into this market. You mentioned experience. I've been doing this since. August 5th of 2002, I remember flying out here originally from Detroit. Wow. And uh, so wow. somewhat of an OG. There's guys who've been in there longer. Wow. But obviously, I've seen the cycles. Eminem. Eminem. There you go. And um, yeah, uh, Eminem's trailer was about four down from mine off of uh, Eight Mile. Wow. No, I'm kidding. I grew up three miles north of him, not from the hood. <laughs> okay. But you know, grew up down there. Came out here. My grandfathers were both entrepreneurs. My father. Thank you. We're hearing good. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. So you kind of grow up in that blood. Mm, um, mm, you know, I had a bagel business at 12. I collected pop cans, mold lawns. We all do the little things. How can we wow. make money? It's either in your blood or it's not. I'm sure you guys, mm-hmm. you know, felt the same way. We're all hu- been hustling since, you know, um, I can remember as a, a young lad. Um, came out here in 2002, joint ventured with my cousins who are large uh, real estate buyers in the Midwest. They needed some human capital, um, which was me at the time, yeah. to come out, represent them. I did not know much about real estate 
athlete, but I was a hustler, right? I didn't mm. score a 36 on my uh, ACTs. I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed, but what I do do is give a thousand percent. I hustle, I don't quit. Um, and I just literally started driving around. I picked up my license in nine days, the fastest you could get it. Got Wait, license. You picked up your drop, real, estate your license. real estate license. Real estate license. Nine days. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. Actually, it's unheard, of uh, unheard of now. Well, and unheard then of then. Okay. I mean, like, it's the both, fastest yeah. you could do it. I mean, it was just... You, How you does take that... The I thought it's like uh, 18 classes. Well, you could do uh, three the classes per day. So I did the crash course <laughs> wow. and just literally Jesus. came out here, didn't know anybody, went to class all day, worked out, started driving the neighborhoods, learning um, where to buy, meeting crews, literally by getting out in the field. There wasn't a social media or there wasn't these gurus in the field back then. It was literally you just getting in your Yeah, car. I'm like, what? I'm like, There wasn't these hustlers and... and <laughs> Uh, the technology and the classes back then it was literally uh you know darwinism fend for yourself like get out there and hustle so there was no like tricks of the trade literally Mm. see it's crazy that you 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 did the school in nine days then you immediately start meeting people and like you start you immediately went to work you did not wait for opportunity to come knock on your door there was no wait i'm not you know a lot of people pride themselves on how many books they read or you know sitting behind the table watching videos that's all great as long as it motivates you to get out in the field to take action Right, it's all I about see you the on momentum. The field. We see you on the field yeah. a lot yeah. every day. I, that's yeah. money's yeah. made in the field, not necessarily behind the desk. Everyone's got their business model, mm-hmm. but I like to be in the field and hustle, knock doors, talk to people, engage people. Um, that's just my business model. That and that's works probably for what me. makes that's you unique in your business model. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got their you know model that works for them, that's but right. that's what works for me is literally getting out on the field, engaging with people, capitalizing opportunities, meeting with guys like yourselves um, to continue to grow and expand the business in the relationships. Brother, when you uh, and, and we're gonna continue down your story, but when you invited us over to your property, to your house, um, uh, where's that Paradise Valley or something? Yeah, I, yeah. um, I was uh, I I love that. I was inspired. I was inspired, right? And I'm not I'm not very like it may seem from the outside like we're materialistic people, but we're really not. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're very like down to earth guys. Um, and I mean, I'm wearing a t-shirt for God's sakes, right? But if you look at the t-shirt, he is a good good father. You mm-hmm. see, right? Mm-hmm. This. You see what I'm saying? Mike? I, I hear you. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, you know, our our brand is about, you know, humility. It's about hustle. It's about God, right? So when you invited us over to your spot, you were just so humble. You were just, you, you didn't want us to scratch your floor because I've heard of the hor- the horrible stories. But Well, hold on. But, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, I made you take off your high heels. That's that way. Uh, that's, that's my red. They were red bottoms. Okay. Yeah, they were So. When you invited us over, I said, I said, you know what? It, it's one of those like, it's not like the kind of uh, inspiration where you're like, oh man, I got to do better. Look at this guy. No, it was an inspiration. It was a different kind of inspiration, right? The good frequency kind, like, wow, look at this guy. You proof know, he's of, proof of he's concept. about his business. Yeah, exactly, it, it can happen. You yeah. know, so you had your one of my favorite things in the world, a theater room. You had an elevator that takes you down to the theater room. That is a dream for me personally. The what theater did, room is what, definitely. What, what a dream. did you guys think of that? Plus, the drinks were amazing. Yeah. Cigars, the view, the pool, like everything was great, right? What 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 did that do for you guys when we hung out, when we came over and, and hung out with them for a little bit? So I, I'm I'm looking for a house to mm-hmm. buy for myself. You mm-hmm. know when my you know because I moved to an apartment recently. You know something something different, and I'm like I want to buy a dream house, but my dream house has to be on the water. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it has to have uh, it has to have a, a theater room because I'm a, I'm a movie buff. Yeah. I love movies, and then I saw like you 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 took an ele- you took us in an elevator to go see the movie room, and I'm like at the theater room. I'm like oh my god, okay, so I have to step up my game now. 
Like that now. That's, so it was a good inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Because now there's an elevator added to it. You know, they sprinkle an elevator to it. So I may have to add an elevator to that new house or, you know, if not, maybe the next one. Okay, so that me, was inspirational. I appreciate that. Let me interject and say one thing. The other day I have an AT&T guy come over because my internet wasn't working properly. Guy comes in the house and it's always, you know, somewhat humbling. People come over and like, wow, this is amazing. I don't flaunt. I don't talk about it on social media. Absolutely. That stuff. Yeah. I'm not materialistic. And I know that's why I like you guys. Yeah, you show the nice stuff and you can appreciate it, but that's not what you're all about. Hey, it's part of the game. It's part of the yeah. game and the Absolutely. mantra and the marketing. And you I respect that. that. But when yeah. you get to know someone like you guys, what's inside, I love and respect that. Thank so you. this gentleman comes over and he's like, man, I'm not working hard enough. I aspire to have this. And I said, hold on, let's back up a second. Before there, I was living in one of my condos, right? It's not about where you live per se, but it's about you know internal mm -hmm. and that happiness. The gentleman, I said to him, I said, do you have a family? He says, yeah. I said, are you happily married? Well, yeah, very. Do you have any kids? Yeah. And they start telling me he's got grandkids and it gives mm, me his stories mm, like mm. saying, oh, I wish I had all this. I said, well, I would switch with you in a second to have a healthy, you know, Amazing. I'm blessed that I'm healthy, Amazing. but you have a great wife. Amazing. You're faithful. You have grandkids. Your kids are healthy. So it's, it's like, a matter of perspective. I would switch my house, How change the perspective. And all of a sudden I was humble. And the guy kind of steps back and he's saying, but I'm like, I am dead serious. A house is a house. You could sleep, give me a comfortable, you know, bed and a pillow. I'm good. My two bedroom condo. I don't care about that stuff. Do I like nice stuff? Do we all? Of course we do. But at the end of the day, you may have something. You're a great, you know, you're a father. I love that. You drop your daughter off at school. Every I day. love that. Yeah. You know, God willing, in the future, I have kids and a beautiful relationship and yeah. all that stuff. I would trade That's my portfolio to have a beautiful family. So it's not about, you know, all wow. these material things. Don't always think what you have and somebody else. Don't, grass isn't always greener, right? Wow. So that's kind of a, a significant story. I mean, it's the truth. Brother, that's you know what's crazy? Perspective. That, that is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing because you know what? That's how I look at life now. Mm -hmm. Right, I've always said that too, and I know that you. We look just at life. talked about this. Yeah, two days. Well, ago. That's how we look at life too. Is like people are looking at the things they don't have, right? Mm -hmm. They look at, that, but they're not. They're they're taking for granted what they how do have. Beautiful, yeah. how beautiful, right? If you have love in your life, if you have family in your life, Health. people that care about you, people that you can share your victories with. What are like? What are you looking at? You know, mm -hmm. that the rest is just a cherry on the top. If it's you get a nice house, great. It's like nice. a shiny object syndrome, not in business, but in life in general. Like you got the shiny object. Like you want everybody, what everybody has. There's an old saying: "What we can't have is what we want the most." Of right? Yeah. And we don't know why we want it. So what, as soon as that you start understanding why you want it, like for you, you probably broke down. Broke down to him. You're like, he's like, maybe I don't want the house. I, I, what I you, want is already what I you have. You might have changed that man's perspective. Yeah, which and is amazing. That right there right. is, in it, you know, we're one of our missions is to impact millions of lives. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, but you just impacted that man's life. I can tell you this. I promise you this. I don't know if you're aware of that, but you really did impact. And when you start, when you at your level, when you start being aware. Right, you're like, hey, I'm gonna. Then, then you become a, a, a you serve more and more and more because mm -hmm. you're like. Wow, I just impacted that man's life. Mm -hmm. You know? Sure. That man could possibly live forever happy now. And you know what I mean? Like, you impacted that man's life. So, look how powerful this is, right? You impacted his life. So now he's going to go home and he's going to probably be a better husband and he's probably going to be a better father and he's probably going to be a harder worker just because you impacted his life. Sure. You see how powerful that yeah, is? Absolutely. For the rest of his life. Ripple effect. See, I, I love this. This is about uh, our podcast, guys, it's not you just about how, business. It's, it's always yeah. mindset. And, no, I love yeah. that. So you know I'm sorry is. if we took it took the, the other route, but 
our guys, our, our audience love watching this this kind of stuff because at the end of the day, where everybody looks at people in the in the in the screen, whatever, like there's something that's unattainable. Like we eat. Someone I heard something that you sent me. You know, we eat, we breathe, we, we do everything. We, we do everything. We do, we do the everything same way. the same. It's just yeah. the way we do things. Like the mindset is different, and I think that's why you see the the outcome. We see the the yeah. result, the nice cars, the nice house, the, the fruit. Yeah, the fruit. Yeah. It's just fruit. So th there's a lot that goes behind it. But let's let's go down to your story. Let's go back okay. to your story and and sure. So 2002 came out, license, start hustling out in the streets. I mean, old fashioned, knocking doors, bandit signs. How'd you, you name quick, it? How'd you get your first deal? First deal, I called on a newspaper. I remember the guys who Levro's Real Estate. They had an ad in a paper for distressed property on Rozier, which is South Phoenix. Yep. And it was like a burn property, and there was a bum in there. I drove down. They were asking sixty thousand. I think I offered them fifty five, and they took it. And I was like, oh shit, you know what am I gonna do? And I'm meeting crews and put it together. I think I made ten grand on the first deal, and that was the first deal. And just nice. that was started taking off. It was a fix and flip. So wow. all in the beginning, my whole business model, again, where I've acquired all these properties in my rental port, almost 200 on the rentals, was not overnight. Again, I've been doing this 17 years. So it's not like, uh, you know, stuff happens overnight. You First, you got to be born. Then you got to learn how to crawl. Then you mm. walk. Then you run. Then mm. you sprint. Mm. It's not, you know, a marathon. You don't just start running a marathon tomorrow or yeah. an Ironman. They're incremental processes. You guys right. are the anomalies. And I said this to you before. I said, it's amazing the impact and the amount of progress you've had in such a minimal period of time. It's amazing. And it's uh, it's inspiring. Thank you for the technology, brother. I think. Thank you so much for that. But I mean, see, in your time, like you just said something. You said... You found the property on, oh, on a newspaper. 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 Yeah. I mean, that says yeah. it all. Yeah. That, I mean, that, totally. That yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, literally, I was looking classified ads and distress assets. I mean, that's what you did back then. Mm. I mean, literally. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, there was no Instagrams, Facebooks, uh, social media. It was all about door knocking, driving around, looking for the same signs that people see today when you're out there, that's you know, right. driving There, there wasn't some things are as instant as now. No. Now, now online just made everything so instant. Immediate. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me, let me ask for a confirmation right mm -hmm. you've done how many deals like just how many deals have you transacted sure probably around four thousand <laughs> <Yeah>. but okay <laughs> wow. let's be honest you don't remember all of them but you remember your first deal is that correct i remember i mean when it comes to real estate i remember most of my i can honestly say really? i can go in everyone in my house i could tell you what it's rented for i give you the floor plan beds bass i can name the tenant because it's my business. You know, there's a lot of things I'm not good at it, but I'm you good love at it. Your but business. it's all about yeah. relationships, yeah. the people, the properties. I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love yeah. the art of the hunt. Four I thousand. like the people, the contractors, everything about it. You know, I wake up and I just I want to go hunting. You know, I mean I love it. <laughs> it's what gets well, you out of bed every day. Yeah. Every day. We're, and I can't wait till we get into his contractors and how their lives have changed and how you bonded and, and formed families with these people. Yep. I can't wait till we get there. So What's first on the menu, guys? What do you guys want? I mean, we got this man here. So, uh, okay, was it, you know, when after that first sale of 2002, was it all just sunshine and rainbows, just straight growth? Or how? where did that process go? Where, sure. did, that, where did that yeah, go? Absolutely. So start with one deal at a time. And at that time, it was OPM, which means other people's money. That's right. So yeah. it's not just about finding the deals. You have to worry about execution and financing. Mm -hmm. I like to say I'm a guarantee. So if we do business and I sign uh, your assignment, the deal's done. You don't have to babysit me. You don't have to worry about anything. You can focus on the next deal. You don't have to look in the rearview mirror. You can focus on moving forward, which is mm -hmm. nice. A lot of people wonder, hey, is this 
guy going to close? What's going to happen? So again, I pride myself on being that guarantee on execution. Always have the funds and the ammunition available for execution um, to take care of business. Um, so one deal at a time, the one turned to two. The first deal did about 60 deals, and those were all fix and flips, again, using OPM. From 2002 to 2007, our market was doing what it is now. Mm -hmm. It was appreciating. So I was kind of blessed to have wind at my back to assist me um, with appreciation. If you made mm -hmm. a few mistakes here and there, mm -hmm. the market appreciation would offset and mitigate um, any potential mistakes you made. That's but then right. again, now let's talk about 2008 to 2009 you know, and 10 when our market plummeted. It's a very difficult time. There's a lot mm -hmm. of hardships, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you learn a lot from that. So it's just like um, the stock market or, the, you know, they predict. Uh, what did you learn from that? Yeah, how was the, the crash for you? So it, it's humbled me a ton. Uh, anyone who's in this market, you lost money. Um, obviously, if you had any holdings at the time. Um, it, now, all of a sudden, my perspective on acquisitions is not how much money I can make, but it's how much can I lose? How can I mitigate risk? What's the downside risk on the deal? Mm -hmm. I'm always a contingency guy. I like to say if you go camping, right, and you guys like the outdoors um, and, and the weather prediction is sunny for the next two weeks, I'm the guy now that before, I'm like, shoot, I don't need a jacket. I don't even need a sleeping bag. It's going to be 80 degrees. Now I got my winter coat. I got a rain jacket. Everything I am preparing that. for the worst case scenario. And that's what you have to do on these deals. What if it doesn't sell? Do I have the money to carry? What's my cash flow position? What if this? So I'm always thinking about, you know, you're on an airplane. The thing goes down. Where's the closest exit? Where's the next one? How big is that guy? Can I push him out of my you, way? You carry you know? plan B along with plan, plan A. Plan B every single time. Again, it's not how much can I make? How much can I lose on the deal? Everyone else is thinking, all right, I'm going to make 50. I'm going to make 20. I'm going to make 10. How much could I potentially lose? Or again, do I have the state power to buy this and hold it in case of volatility and intervening mm. variables that I can't control? I couldn't control 2007 or 2008. That's right. So right. I kind of sat on the sidelines. I took the beating, but I stayed the course, just mm. like anything else. You get knocked down, you stand up. In 07, 08, how many houses did you have at that time? Um, we had some land holdings. We had some other houses we tried to sell at the time. We took a little losses on those at the very end. So again, we weren't over levered, which I learned, which was super smart. It wasn't We didn't have hard money or anything else. So it's, we still mm. took a beating. Even my personal home went down, you know, 50%. And I ended up selling it and, you know, you lost tr tons of equity. But again, it gave me focus. I would, I would do it all over again the same way because, you know, going through those trials and tribulations and hardships enable me to uh, reinvent myself, if you will, and carry that mindset forward on these new acquisitions. By the way, I'm uh, don't think I'm being disrespectful. I'm just sharing in our different groups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just so people can take advantage of this session. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I can't wait. We have so much to talk about because I, also I was going to talk to him about, you know, when the crash happened. I want to continue to go through your story unless you're, unless you're already done. Uh, but I also want to talk about, you know, in your opinion, you were an active investor when this when this thing just tanked. So I just wanted to talk about, in your opinion, from your perspective, being in the trenches at that time, why did this happen? Why did it well, tank? Why? Sure. And, 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 uh, and how sure can you prepare of, yeah. for this you know, coming up? And when do you expect... Uh, a lot of good questions. All, all oh, the yeah. juice coming. Right up right up the there yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, Coffee place. Call. All right, great. Yeah. Um, great question. So let's first talk about, look, I couldn't anticipate. I knew by being on the front lines and in the trenches that the thing started to go south based on being on the front lines. If I'm selling the assets, again, I'm vertically integrated and have my license. Normally, put a property up for yep. retail. Mm -hmm. So you always want to be cognizant of people that are selling the deals. Your disposition, guys. How are the calls coming in? You're putting out an asset and no one's calling on it. Mm -hmm. Things are slowing down. It's harder to sell. Boom, red, red signal. Mm -hmm. One in every four mm -hmm. homes at that time when the market plummeted was bought by an investor. That's an irrational That's exuberance. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. That's crazy. Now, that's that's not healthy per se, right? We have a lot of iBuyers now and you think they're buying everything. They're only a small portion of the market, even though they buy hundreds of thousands of homes, they're still an incremental piece of the market. Mm -hmm. The money now is much more stabilized. Before, if you went to buy a house, did you? how do people qualify? You have a heartbeat? Great, let's get you the loan dogs and sign up. (laughs) So now all of a sudden, it's a much more stabilized market. People, hey, how hard is it now to get, you guys are getting a financing on a building. Is it easy? No, it's not. No, it's not. easy for me to go out and just get a financing. I'm going to talk about the macro perspective of yes. investing now, which I, w- I want to talk about as well. So there's red signs and signals that are apparent, which is, hey, th- the market's slow. The retail market's slowing down. You start seeing price drops slowly. That's a red sign. And again, don't be greedy. If you're going to dispo stuff, I'm the type of guy that says, hey, give me a big chunk in the buy in the bottom, hopefully sell close to the top, but just give me a good chunk in the middle. Leave some money on the table. Get in, get out, especially if that's your flip game. Yeah. You don't have to aim for the stars and hope and try and squeeze everything out of the deal. Get a good piece, move on, and uh, continue down the lines. And don't Love be greedy. It. Mm-hmm. What about um, what about um, when you see, like right now, we, we do see the prices of, of, uh, of houses, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the the prices the sales price of homes is it's it's rising mm-hmm. it's rising like mm-hmm. I got a buddy in Tulsa Oklahoma who's gonna move down here uh, Spencer he's gonna move down nice. here Good. Uh, uh, to Arizona I, I he was like he was so worried about selling his house in Tulsa which Tulsa is, is like a C market it's nothing crazy right mm-hmm. I said Spencer you're gonna have an offer within the first week no way no way no way right. He just he just texted me yesterday. Look at this. He put this thing on the market literally three days ago, right? Spencer, this is my ex roommate, uh, and Spencer. Look what he said. Sold. Sold. <laughs> three days in Tulsa. In three days in Tulsa. Right. Crazy. right. That's crazy, right? So, what I'm seeing is the only thing that's really really helping us right now that is it's still making the housing uh, mm-hmm. market affordable is the interest rates. Mm-hmm. See, back in the crash. The prices were here, mm-hmm. and the interest rates were right there. Do you not remember that? It's, the prices 7%. were here, but uh, yeah, but some of the interest, they weren't always set, but they were a little bit lower. Um, but I also like to they focus, weren't in the threes and they fours. weren't in the threes and fours. Their market it, prime rate were you know thirty year lows. Mm-hmm. That's extremely helpful. But again, nowadays the stability in our market is because of better underwriting, the loan process. When you talk to people in terms of qualification, the money in the market, it's not all this hard money and these subprime mortgages. Not a lot of adjustable rate stuff right now with low mortgages uh, and rates. People are locking in thirty years, so there's a lot more stability. There's a lot of these arm products yeah, the have arms, kind of yeah. adjustable rate mortgages have already been weeded out, which is yeah. super important. But I also like to focus on. Um, our micro market, right? I, people say, hey, yep. Zach, buy in. You guys operate in multiple states, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. that's hard to, to manage. To, from my perspective, obviously, you have your systems. For me, I only buy in Arizona. So I try and pride myself on being an expert um, and single family in this market, in the trenches, knowing what's going on. Warren Buffett says, operate in your um, in your circle of competence, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone calls me on a deal in uh, you know Dallas, Texas, not interested. I'm not going to waste my time. I may know someone down there or free to the all-in boys, but again, I'm only going to operate in things that I understand. Yeah. People call me on some crazy complex commercial deal, not for me. Stay within your own lane. Don't worry about what everyone else like is that. doing or like capitalize that. and get like distracted that. with 10 million different things. So again, I focus and say, even if the market went down, and I'm okay. talking about preparing myself, I say, hey, what's going to happen with the rental market? To me, it's going to be an inverse relationship. If everyone is selling, people are going to be renting, that's going to drive the rental rates mm-hmm. up. So if I'm a long-term player and I like the passive income of rentals, I want to sit there and buy and hold and continue just to get an annuity of income. You, you, you'll pay more 
money. They'll pay more money. They'll have more clients than than you need. Correct. So there's going to be larger demand because everyone's selling for the rentals. So I prepare myself that you always play the game. What if this happens? Then this again. I'm a contingency guy. Yeah. And you should always think so about. So the crash what if. probably made you it converted you into a buy and hold guy. Absolutely. I mean, at that time, homes that I was buying for two hundred thousand, I can now buy for twenty five, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. What happened with rents? They were virtually the same. Two hundred thousand, you're getting eight hundred a month. Now thirty thousand, eight hundred a month. God, boys, if we go back in time and I could have you with me, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be on uh, Tony Robbins' uh, adjacent island that we just bought and having a free fall, but there are thousands of rental homes at, you know, 30000 a pop. I mean, I bought as many as I could, but again. How many um, did you buy during that time? I mean, thousands. I'm going through the time oh, from yeah, well, 30, to, you know, but it, again, if How I would have known. Then? Um, well, from, as from many that. as I could afford to buy. The problem was there wasn't leverage into that. Banks mm. were still scared. So in the mm-hmm. crash, you know, again, Warren Buffett says people are fearful, be greedy. When people are greedy, be, be fearful. fearful. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of fear and I was greedy. I was buying everything that I could. But the problem was I didn't have unlimited cash. So I could only digest what I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have had, you know, $100 million. Let, let's keep throwing the kitchen sink at them, right? Well, let me, let me I, have, I so, have I have uh, <laughs> one, one good comment over here. Someone said the 2008, 2009 hardship are good stories to tell because they they show us how to get over hard time, yeah. hard times. That we uh, and uh, and he said we will eventually face it in this business. Yeah. So maybe you can maybe you can tell us a little bit about that story, so we, how and how people can uh, can overcome it because you've been through it. Yeah. Eventually, uh, obviously. And, and to like just to elaborate on that question, like how much of that is like like out, like outside forces and then like versus inside forces? Like how much does your mindset and and the inside play when it comes to like being in a market where it's like pure scarcity? Sure. Tremendous, and those are great questions. So what did I do? Again, being contingent guy and learning from um, the trials and tribulations and hardships, I hunkered down, right? What do we do? I'm not gonna go out and try and uh, go buy a bigger home when the market's going down. I rented my house to a Coyotes hockey player. I built my first house at your age. You know, I was, what, how old are you now? 21? 22. 22. Okay, all right, so I was 22 when I contracted my first home up north in DC Ranch and was building it. So I hunkered down, I rented to Coyotes hockey player. My parents had a second home out here. I took a small bedroom, because they were out of state, mm-hmm. moved my stuff in there, rented anything I could to eliminate my overhead, right? When I'm not making, no one's making money in 2008, unless mm-hmm. you're doing short sales, and those were few and far between to try and get done in a mm-hmm. time period. Yep. So I tried to eliminate all my overhead, hunker down and keep a good mental mindset. How did I do that? For me, it's working out. I set the tone every day, and I go to the gym, whether you're pumping weights or running, or I was doing triathlons, and that gave me mental clarity. Mm. Um, so if you sit there and you kind of just sit back and put your head between your legs, it's gonna be a downward spiral. So again, I know you guys are big on these mental and meditation mm-hmm. and grounding mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, which I love, and I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. Um, for me to make good, sound business decisions, I need a clear mindset. Mm-hmm. And for me, my mindset is derived from working out, and that sets the tone for the day, deflecting any negativity that comes to me. You can either wow. embrace it or deflect it. I deflect as much negativity as possible. Absolutely. You won't believe how many clothes, Zach, my seeds busted, this and that. Well, if I just allow somebody to penetrate me, I'm not gonna get through my day. But if I have a clear mindset and I feel strong. How do you deal with something like that? Right. How do you deal with that specific person? How do you deal sure. with that? Happened this morning, for example. Okay. Ladies <laughs> like, hey, my, my painter's out there, and she's like, your painter's not prepping. Uh, you know, I, my, my painter would do this or that. I'm like, first of all, you know, you I don't like to escalate any negativity, so I always just take a calm breath say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Let's let's get to the root of the problem. We're going to make sure that it's right. Um, I, I deflect. I don't allow anything to penetrate me. It's like the stock market. If you have 150 great stocks, but four or five of your stocks, and the call would be one of the five, that stock's yeah. plummeting during there. There was bad news and things blowing up. Big deal. Macro perspective, big perspective. 
I'm alive, I'm breathing, life is good, the sun is shining. Who cares if five of the hundred and fifty? It's our okay, fine. Do what's necessary to remediate that situation and move on with the day because you have 145 other amazing stocks. So what? There's five. If you don't have any stocks that are going down, you're not getting negative calls, you're not doing enough business. Mm. You can do the best that you can, but I can't control some lady who may be having a bad day, even though we're doing good work, or maybe my painter's having a bad day. I can only take responsibility for myself, but I'll do what I can to make it right for that individual. My uh, my spiritual mentor, uh, Mr. Christian Ferris, he's a pastor out of Tampa. He says, you can only control two things, your attitude and your actions, yeah. which is kind of what you just yeah. aff- right reaffirmed there. And one thing that I, uh, that, I, that, I, that I heard you say, and I think it skipped a lot of people's minds, is when something like that happens, you're in your breath. Yeah. I mean, Take I just want to come up because it's so easy. <sighs> Most people are going to get agitated like, whoa. This lady's being a B, a big B, right? You swear on here? Whatever. We do. Okay, yeah. see, that lady's being a bitch. But fine, <laughs> she's having a bad day. We never know what's going on yeah. in anyone else's you, life, you so we got to remember that. Absolutely. Um, and so all we control is our energy. It's going to be a domino effect of negativity, just like in negotiations. Someone gets hot and passionate, take a deep breath, slow it down, lower your tone a little bit, because otherwise it's just going to escalate into negativity and nobody wants that. So you just, anything can, be, anything can be remediated. So if that, again, you put in perspective, that's the bad stock or the bad egg for the day, Okay, move on. That's right, yeah. Fix it and move on. Mm. You want to hire your own painter? Fine, let me know what it is. But let's move on with the day. It's the opportunity cost of your time and energy and keep moving. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we had a, other questions, by the way. I had, I had a question. What's so going on? You, you, you've said like three, two or three Warren Buffett quotes. Yeah. Who do you uh, like? Who would you follow during your your journey as far as far as you know mentors, Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, or uh, financial Rohn, literacy? Sure. And, like, what? Where did you kind of seek info from? So I was a business major, entrepreneurship, international business, Spanish, and you know you kind of see the gurus in there. Mm-hmm. I love Peter Lynch, who's an amazing stock investor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Peter Lynch, and he his investment philosophies. I'm a very simple guy. I'm not a big reader. Again, I like doing stuff and learning out in the field. But Peter Lynch would take his kids to the mall and walk them around and say watch them and say, where are they, um, you know, migrating to? What's the stores that are impressing them? What do they want to buy? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to, they like these, uh, these new toys. What's the company that manufactures them? Boom. All her friends wants these. Oh, I'm going to start investing in this company. Very fundamental stuff, wow. right? Common so sense. Very stuff. common wow. sense stuff. I used to work on wall street trading what's called zero cost collar options for prudential securities. And what we did was when people, um, got acquired through stock, we mitigated um, the volatility with their stock holdings by putting um, zero-cost collars, option strategies on their stock holdings to ensure wow. that their net worth was stable for a six-month hold period. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are watching don't even know what this is. Do you know what that is? I'm, I'm following. But, uh, <laughs> okay. All right, so, is, so it, it's, it's, it's buying in the stocks, right? Yeah. You can buy a stock and you hold it and you sell it and you go yeah. to Charles Schwab. But there's things called puts and calls that protects your position. Um you know, for the longevity. If That's you're right, if yeah. you're an insider and you get acquired by a company, you don't have the right to sell your stock because you may have inside information for six months. Ah. So I say to you, hey, we just bought your company. We just bought all in for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. You're super excited, but I could tell you that through maybe a whisper, a rumor, that hundred million could go to twenty million in in a month or two months, but also could go to two hundred million. You say, you know what? I want to be greedy. I want to protect that hundred million. We could put what's called the zero cost like color options. It's basically an insurance plan to ensure that you're going to get that hundred million dollars. I see. People I like see. That. Okay. Well, I have a few questions for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Justin Hicks, Justin Hicks is saying, how do you ensure that capital is protected in a down market? 
That's probably an easy yeah. answer for you, right? Yeah, it's just by not being over-levered. So if you're borrowing, like, let's say, hard money and your burn rate is, let's say, it's 12%. I don't use hard money, thankfully. Um, but if you were and you're in that position, make sure that your leverage or the money that you're utilizing um, is sustainable. There's not a call period on it that, you know, it's not due in, in a year or two years. Because let's say the market did went down and maybe that lender's calling that due or they need a new appraisal. Just make sure whatever you're lending or whatever your um, – um, financial relationships are, they're in tune. They're protected based on any volatility in the market. So in other words, if you're getting an 8% yield on the asset, but you're borrowing yeah. at 10, that's not sustainable. No, you need no. to refi that or, or sell it and take your equity spread and move on. Mm -hmm. That would not be a good investment tool. Unless you're sense. sitting on a big equity spread, then sell the asset mm -hmm. You know, at that point. That's what I would tell you. Love Don't it. be over levered. I want strategic long-term financing. I have, yeah. a, I have a really good question unless, uh, I, no, I already wrote mine out. Okay. okay. Um, you know, during the the crash back in you know 07, 08, yeah. uh, and then partially 09, but in 09 it started to kind of take a turn. You know, yeah. I, I bought a uh, I bought a short sale for. By the way, someone's watching here. He's rented a house from you. Uh, yep. <laughs> who is yeah. it? Uh, Jordan. Jordan Medina. Jordan Medina. Medina. Yep. I rented a house from. Him. He's a good dude. Yeah. Wow, your tenants <laughs> love you, awesome. man. Love that. That's good. Guess, That's yeah. good. So during the crash, how much capital did you have access to? During the crash, because you said, "I wish I would have had right. more capital." What would you, actually? What would you have done different? Well, that's exactly that's exactly the question. I yeah. mean, you go out there, and again, it's just as important when you're out there prospecting for deals, or you guys are wholesalers, you want to fix and flip. His mic. Yeah, we're good. If, if you want to fix and oh, flip, it's fall. There you I'll go. bring it. I'll yeah, just sit good. a little closer. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's very important again to work both sides of the equation. The capital side, you know, because you're only as good as your. If you don't have any ammunition, if I send you trick or treating with no bag, you're not going to have very much fun. You can stuff only your pockets. But if I send you out with a big duffel bag, you're ready to go. No different. What when if you're going I take my? Field. What if I take my underwear off? And then I use that as a bag. That would be amazing. You know, you may get the king size candy bars at that point, <laughs> right? He's only going after the king size. I mean, made, but then you may drop the so little sorry. small oh, Snickers. Man. I don't know. I am so sorry. All right, so okay. we go. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, so okay. Go, sorry. I, I. Yeah. Okay. So uh, capital during the crash. Big yeah. bag of candy. Okay. Let's go. Let's continue. So. Uh, I I said how much uh, how much capital did you have yeah. access to during the crash? And I also want to know, um, you know. How much of it was private? How much of it was your own? What could you have done to get more? Right. Um, so at first I was um, – I created a $20 million fund, um, a distressed asset fund with two guys. And we went out and I flew everywhere. Everyone that I ever met, high net worth guys, friends, family, anyone that I knew had potential money. For a I meeting. I met with them for a meeting to get from them and say, hey, we're going to come in here. We're going to do this. And then what I realized at the very end of this is, hey, you got partners. What what weight are they pulling? How much capital are they raising? And sometimes it, you guys are blessed. I don't love partnerships. I like just doing my own thing. They weren't they weren't they weren't uh, equally vested. I mean, it just uh, I'm not here to say any bad things, okay. but I like working individually. Mean, yeah. And I also don't want to. It's difficult in a fund if you're just going to buy a house and someone puts in a million, another guy puts in three million. All of a sudden you say, oh, you just made uh, you know two thousand dollars on this deal. It's not super exciting. So I scratched that business model. The people that I had raised capital from and said, hey, we're going to do one-off deals. I'll give you a first right of commitment. I have a new asset. I'm going to come to you and say, do you want to be in this deal? And I created what's called OPM, other people's money, 50-50 mm -hmm. model. They had a first deed of trust on the property. I did all the work. I took no management fees, no commissions, no nothing. Everything went in the pot and we split everything 50-50. That's not a bad deal. So it, profits on deals were 50-50? Straight up net profits 50-50. I didn't make a penny, no management, no commissions, no nothing. So, so I had to really produce 
and excel. So you were on OPM that entire time? I went time. pretty much OPM until every, wow. every deal I created, here's my 50%, here's my 50%. You From started there, stacking. I started stacking, and then I bought my own deals. I literally came into this crash with no deals other than my primary house. So basically from 2009, yeah. in 10 years, I've created this portfolio. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And your portfolio right now is over 200. Just uh, just almost 200. So, so almost 200. You touched on a point here. So <clears throat> you said, give me 50% of this huge pie versus 100% of my little. <coughs> Absolutely. So the talk about good strategic leverage. One, there's no ca- this guy. These guys are high net worth guys. At the time, our market was solid. I have a track record. I'm all about transparency. I've been burned before. One of my biggest things people talk about their successes, they fail to talk about the, you the know failures. The, the failures. One of my biggest failure was the capital partners that you know helped grow this business out here ended up being they got greedy. These guys had high net worth. Unfortunately, one guy committed suicide over um, you I know, think, some bad deals. Yeah, I told I know you about t- it. Yeah. Um, and these were you know close to the family, and it it, it was devastating. Um, but it taught me a lot in terms of statue of frauds. Have everything in writing. I lost pretty much everything that I made in there, and I ran a good business. It was lost. I could show everyone the K one. Because I mean, of bad business. Because partner. of bad business and greed, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, over levered. We talk about strategic leverage. These guys were over levered. They got greedy, invested in Florida and other deals, and having bags. You know, just doing shady stuff. So and, how, and how would you? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to inter- interrupt you, but I think this is a good question to ask to, for the audience. Uh, what if someone? If so, let's say someone has a, has business partners. What what can they do to protect themselves? Because you just said that you were yep. everything. Everything was by the book, but yep. because of a bad, uh, maybe one bad business partner. Yep. Uh, then you had to suffer for that. Yeah. So it was, it was my it was, the fact that look, we traded millions of dollars for years in acquisitions. So I felt, oh, I feel very secure. In fact, I was getting a ten percent yield. So I reinvested that money. Ten percent. This is great. I love passive income. This is going to be amazing. Except for I gave them too much of my net worth at the time, which mm. basically was highly devastating. Mm. But there was no nothing in writing. Like There's we're no going to do a deal. Look, there was no operating. It was like because uh, we traded so much money. It's like you guys could do a thousand deals. So, so you 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 start basing it on a friendship on a friendship so no matter what you do friendship no friendship contingency plans if you're investing you know five dollars you don't need a business plan but if you're investing thousands of dollars or six figures or a high six figures absolutely put contingency clauses operating agreements statue of frauds Mm -hmm. notarized documents what's the collateral maybe even an insurance plan on the individual clean right there and then but down the line something comes back you have to be protected well, absolutely pe- even an okay. insurance plan on the individual i'm telling you what like honestly people ask me hey can i borrow money for this day? i don't lend money on little stuff unless i'm in a first deed of trust or whatever you know if it's my own asset i'm not a lender um but if I, people ask advice on it again what's the contingency what happens if the guy gets in an accident driving to title i play that in my mind now before i never thought hey we're, we're gonna live forever there's no issues you could have a heart attack a stroke this is a high stress business or it certainly can be absolutely put all the think of all the worst case scenarios write them down and how do you mitigate that doing business with somebody then you're going to be better i mean i think that's very valuable yeah, i have a question very, yeah. i have a question for you um yes, <clears throat> why not multifamily? um it was never. I've owned an apartment complex before, a 62-unit complex. Um, I didn't do great on it, so I didn't enjoy the experience. Um, it, the market that, right that now that is saturated. That seems to be the trend yeah, right wh- now, yeah. right? Why do you feel like you didn't do great on that? Um, and when was this, by the way? So this is. We have 100 viewers live. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Got to 100? Yeah, it's cool. Yep. So um, the complex, 62 units, It was. I got to say, it was actually too small to really make money. So. Um, it was in between where you could self-manage and be vertically integrated and then outsource. And the people that were running it, because I couldn't manage at that time just by myself, 62 Too many, units, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, 
it was owned pretty much free and clear, but how was it not cash flowing? People were stealing the the rent. It was just a shady. You had a bad I didn't. Experience. Yeah, it was a bad experience, and it rubbed me wrong. If I had the procedures and brought in my own crews and everyone moving forward, I would highly consider it. And people are making great money on it. But again, invest in your circle of competence. What is your strong suit? SFRs. I love SF, single, single family, family a little land. That's what I focus on. It does me well. I don't need to be greedy. I want to stay focused. Because <clears throat> that, that's the trend right now. Everybody thinks it's cool, you know. And, and I see it. Everybody's like. Oh, let's go get commercial, you know, multifamily. Multi yep. That is yep. a huge trend it's like right now. like the next wave, but, correct. But this is what they don't understand, right? Uh, and I, I, I've, I'm seeing this more often and more often, and I'm seeing them even hire people that may be somewhat competent in those areas. Yeah. But see, sometimes your own ambition will get you over leverage. Yep. And then when you start playing with other people's money and you step outside of your circle of competence, Can't even you could be in for a ride. Absolutely. And not a good ride. Buckle up. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I've been I want to sleep at night. Absolutely. You know, isn't it nice to put your head on the pillow and not worry about, is the bank going to call the capital? Is the tenant going to pay the rent so that I could pay the mortgage? You don't want to put yourself in those positions. If you do, maybe find an alternative finance. And then we spoke about the benefit of using OPM, per se, someone's got stable income. Let's say they're in a money market. Are you guys looking to raise money? What's your pitch? Great, you're in a money market. What's your yield? Three quarters of 1%. What if you gave them 6 or 7 or 8% or a JV on the deal where you're doing all the work and, you know, that that worked for me. Now, fortunately, we made a lot of money. I sold in tranches to hedge funds and everyone was paid out. And again, I, I parlayed that money into my you own You were deals. giving a lot, giving 50% of the profit and you're doing all the work. I mean, it's, it seems fair to, to, their, to their end, but I think that's a, that's a lot. Well, again, I'm not paying interest on them. There was no preferred return. So let's, but I again, see. it worked out well. You can run a pro form any way you want. Yeah. But the, the t what I needed most of the time was capital. It's at, back then, it was the greatest position to put yourself in. <laughs> Correct. Today, yeah. would you do that? Um, if, if I'm just starting out and that was the only way of getting No, I'm talking about today where you stand. Right now. It I, think it, it, I think it depends on how big the pie is. Yeah. Correct. Like, well, I'd rather big, take 1% of a billion than 100% of a thousand. You know, so, I mean, so yeah. Yeah. I think it's mm. very important mm. to have high net worth and um, and strategic friends. And you, again, we talked about and you guys talked about this before. You're OK losing friends and this and that. I, I wrote notes of, hey, you always want to be a certain degree in an uncomfortable position. If you're just doing mm. the same thing every day and it's a routine, That's you're right. not really growing. Yeah, Do you have an opportunity to be on a podcast? Capitalize on it. You have an opportunity to go to a, an all in event and, and learn and grow and maybe you get on stage and get nervous. Cool. Go for it. You know, because that's how you're going to grow and learn and surround yourself with guys that are going to elevate you and push you to the next level. Mm, um, right. But again, yes, I would do it again today. And that answers your question because you never forget about what brought you to your position. So if I get a deal in, the, let's say, 100 single family homes and I still have great relationships with those capital partners, guess what? That relationship's still in place see, and ready that. to go. So, I love that you answer this very, very guys. See, you, you, he did not burn the bridges after he, after he, came, after you came up, and this, this what started you, and Correct. you would do this all, all over again, a thousand times, and yeah. and you, you, you never burnt the bridges, never. In That's, fact, I still have great relationships with anyone who's ever invested in me before. They'd always call me up and say, I'd love to get in a deal. It's we nice to be able to do this. my own stuff, but guess what? It's also super important to even continue to engage. Even if I don't need their money on a deal, I will engage those people who put them in a deal because you never know what the future holds. You never know when two years, maybe the market tumbles again and you could do what's called dollar mm -hmm. cost average into the market. Well, hey, how did you get to where you are? To, you didn't do it by yourself. I didn't do it by myself. I don't claim to. I had good strategic capital partners, OPM, and those people are going to be, they were important then, and they're going to be important now and mm, potentially in the mm, future. Right. Well, you said something before we start the podcast. You said, you know, uh, you look at the bigger picture. You don't yeah. just 
can you can you elaborate on that? How how you've done business? That's why you've done been you're still doing business after these many years, and you have a good reputation. Yeah. So great question. Um, macro perspective, big perspective. A lot of people they own five rentals, three rentals, two rentals. They go out, they collect cash, they put it down. That's great if you want to screw the government and, and potentially screw yourself. I believe go big or go home. So I like to take all the cash. If someone's going to deposit, they deposit all my account. I'm fully reporting. And why do I do that? Not so I could save 40% if I collected the cash on my taxes. No, I do it so the banks can look and say, hey, this guy's mm -hmm. a transparent he's, he's guy. Real. Here's the homes. Let he's real. Money. Because yeah. now what's going to happen, I'm going to parlay that money. So you potentially save 40% by not disclosing your, uh, you your cash, which is illegal. But guess what? Now I'm bankable. And now if I'm bankable, what's the big picture? I can go out and buy 10 more homes and continue to grow and run my, my organization. I love that. And we spoke about before, a lot of times you go into home and you have a $20,000 budget. perspective. Macro, I'm thinking yeah. macro all the time. Micros, hey, how can I save $2 versus how can I invest $2 to make $50, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm always thinking, what is the domino effect of each decision that I make? I may have a budget on a home mm -hmm. that's $20,000. I go to the tile store. There's this beautiful tile for a backsplash. Average mm -hmm. backsplash is 30 to 50 square feet. People are gonna say, I gotta buy this cheapest tile because I wanna stay on budget. Wrong. You, I'll spend 10 or $15 a square foot because guess what? At 30 or 40 square feet and I'm over budget maybe by three or $400, that's what's gonna sell the house. I may get $2,000 more mm -hmm. by being over budget by an incremental amount, but big perspective. That sexiness is gonna sell the property. That lady's gonna love it or yeah. sell it faster. So that. time value of money. So you have to think about each micro decision. How does that come into play on the macro perspective? Absolutely. And that's how I think about it. See, I, lo I love that. Focus on the little things. Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. What's been one of the biggest deals you've done? Um, I did a beautiful land deal that I sold on a development on 71st Avenue in Bethany Home, which okay. is an assembly. I'm doing a, one right there on, on, uh, on uh, Hazel, is Heather Bray, Heather Bray, or no, Hazelwood. Where, so 71st can't, and Hazelwood, yeah. It's a it's an acre. I'm, uh, I'm doing the, the lot split, four lots, and then Yeah, you told me that's a yeah, great yeah. area. I love it. Yeah, so done. this was a 10-acre piece. It was owned by a bank and a five-acre piece by a private family. I assembled them. Took it through the entitlement process through the city of Glendale and then sold it to a big um, builder. It was on my Instagram before I think mm. I shot some pictures of the land. Literally, it was nothing. And I happened to own a home uh, on 71st Avenue directly across the street, which, of course, I held because I knew that the value was going to go up. Yeah. The builder did really, really well. And, uh, yeah, they sold out of the community. What are the numbers look homes. on that deal, like uh, as far as acquisition on and entitlement, holding? Sure. Um, so bought everything all together was about uh, – $420,000 for all parcels. And I think the exit was 1.3. And then factor in whole costs, um, I, I factor in my capital roughly, at, let's call it 6% through lines of credit, um, which again, I love if you're out there and you're going to collateralize your rental homes, which is super important. And we talked about this before my house. Yeah. Lines of credit is great because it enables you to make good, sound business decisions and not just deploy money to deploy to offset the burning interest rate. Because mm -hmm. if you get what's called the takeout loan, and uh, you go to um, and the money sedentary. You're paying five percent, six percent on that money. You call the money cemetery. The money is sedentary. Oh, okay. Sedentary. <laughs> it's a cemetery. Yeah. So you're not feeling that burn rate. If it's a line of credit, you're not paying interest in it until mm -hmm. you draw it, mm -hmm. which is really. I mean, that's to me in this that's business the best app. It's so the goal. I have two two uh, free and clear rental properties. Yeah. Um, how should I leverage? Should I get lines of credit or should should I refi? Should I? Yep. Please, please pay attention. Yeah. Like I, I'm, no, okay, I just, so I'm kidding. So I'm sure a lot of people in the same boat. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You got two, two houses. Clear, yeah. Amazing. 
Go to, um, and I'm happy to make introductions to banks or give recommendations. What I love, First Fidelity. I've introduced you guys. Yeah, yeah. There's other couple of local ones. You guys can reach out to me. I'm happy to make introductions. But get a couple of those homes to do what's called cross-collateralize cross collateralize the bundle of those homes they'll probably give you 65 or 70 percent of that value of appraised value so what's nice okay. is let's say you bought those at 50 cents on the dollar you're not only going to get all juice. your money yeah. out some plus juice. some juice plus you're not paying taxes on it because you're holding it you're just now you have money to continue to grow the business mm. so i like to acquire stabilize through enhancement through uh remodeling rent and mm. then you know, rinse, repeat, and then recollateralize those. So the new acquisitions are done through lines of credit. Then you pledge the new assets to the bank and you continue to move on. They're not going to lend to you if you're just not, if you're not disclosing all your income and putting in the bank. Are Again, they going already? back to the my yeah, macro yeah. perspective. One, uh, yeah, the, the tenants are vacating. We're, we're clearing out one and then the other one, yeah, it's rented. So you want to get them stabilized so they can see that there's income on there. How, so, okay, so, how many months? How many, so how many months, yeah. Would you consider sta- stabilized? Like, I'll give you an example. Oh. We just we just bought two properties. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll appraise easily at 300. We bought it for 130. That's it closed this morning. And you're going to wholesale that to me right after this, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> so no, that, okay, so, right. the, uh, <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, yeah, man, you man, are a shark. Right, two fifty. Okay. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, that's phenomenal. So what I would do is get it, stabilize it, probably put a tenant in there, um, but look at it both perspectives. On my disposition side, I will always put it up, and I talk about don't let taxation affect your overall business, you yeah. know, strategies and decisions. So that's a phenomenal position to be in. You can clear a hundred thousand on the deal, correct? Yeah. Or you can take that, maybe get a long term capital gain. It depends on your your liquidity at the time. So for me, God, if you're going to clear a hundred or hundred and twenty. You can't go wrong either way. You're never yeah. going to go broke by taking a profit, That's number right. one. Yeah. But conversely, if you're in a good cash position, then you can rent it out, get a long-term capital gain, rent it for a year, stabilize it, maybe get a line of credit against it, and then sell it. So now you're going to save 20% by a long-term capital gain versus 40% mm. on your 100000 especially on okay, a $300,000 house. Repeat those steps one more time because you yeah. kind of breathe. I want, I want people to... I'll sure. Almost write this down. So, so Alex buys the house, yep. 130. It's worth 300. Yep. What are your options at that point? You're, how much work does it need? That needs uh, 1,700 square. Feet. I call it's it 20 done, grand. Right? 20, 20 grand. grand. No, that, no, that one needs about 20 grand. Okay, amazing. So you're going to be all in at 150. Pool rents for 1850. 1800. Amazing. Yeah. So though you're going to get north. First of all, I look and stuff. I like to make 10% on my money. If you're getting 10% on a buy and hold right now, phenomenal. So I like for me, so that's buy already in Arizona, that, especially yeah. in Arizona. Before you can get it all day long. Now you're gonna get sixes, sevens, maybe uh-huh. an eight. But that's okay if you're getting a six or seven. If you have equity spread in there. In other words, if you buy a two hundred thousand dollar house and you you're in it for one seventy, you still have thirty thousand in equity. You're taking a smaller yield, but you still have equity in that deal. Take it so going back, it's paying itself. It's paying itself, especially mm-hmm. on the back end. So again, long term perspective. Alex can take the deal one fifty. You rent it out for eighteen fifty. It's seasoned now for a long term capital gain, right? Let's not be confused. You can buy and flip something. You're not getting hundred percent of those proceeds. Forty percent right off the top are going to the government. That's right, yeah. So you make a hundred grand. You only made 60 because 40 is to the government. But now that 100 is going to be 80 in a year because it's 20% on the short term. You speak to your tax advisors. I'm Mm -hmm. not a tax expert for full disclosure. But again, (laughs) roughly within a few percentage points, you're you're getting 20 plus your rent yield. Let's call it $1,800 a month. So annualized, that's over $20,000. So you're getting the 20 plus your your profit and the tax savings. So I love the buy and hold. And if you refinance it, then you're getting all your money tax Tax free. free. And you can hold and it's going to keep cash flowing. So I love, love, love that deal. You're playing with the government's money to a certain degree for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. We got uh, 21st and Northern. Okay. Um, 2,600 square feet. We got it for 185 and uh, Valley's 
I need you to underwrite this. I need yeah. actually. I, I've never had to. It's it's a multi-family area. Okay. But it's a twenty-six hundred square foot ho- home and um, oh, <laughs> home and uh, I think values are over four hundred. We got a one eighty-five. So that's wow. it's like two two properties that I want I want to keep yeah. and, and position myself to. Sure. Save as same as save as much money as possible, and uh, and then add them to the portfolio. I love it. So again, looking back and, and clarifying, you take those assets. What can By you the rent way, them for? Somebody said people that come on this podcast are amazing. This dude is crazy smart. <laughs> Thanks. Keep um, going. So <laughs> Keep going. going back to Alex's yeah. stuff uh, again, I would look at it and say, hey, contingency plan. What if the market goes down? Right. Just because. So here's the new perspective. Yep. Hey, it's three hundred today in a year, maybe three fifty. Forget about it. I'm using zero appreciation in my buy and hold strategy right now, right? That's super important. Wow. Most people, they're so ambitious. Oh, I'm going to hold for a year. It'll be worth 320, 350. Forget it. Just even use, maybe take off 5% and did then you, look at the numbers. So has that always been a thing? What about like 2012, 14? Did you factor in for appreciation? Of or course. You just like no, it... I was at that time because the market was crazy. Okay, then. yeah. So, so it, when it's super irrationally exuberant, you know, to certain, even back in 2002 and 2003, you put it on the market, you get 10 offers, you know the market's hot. So you you're getting over market. But right now our market's very stabilized, right? We're the, yeah. the average is about 3%. But our micro market here in Arizona, we talked about what's what's pushing it, not just interest rates, but look at the number one growth factor, the, the, the affordability yeah. from yeah. California, yeah. the earthquakes, yeah. the water situation. Move, There's, people the, are moving here. Yeah. People are moving here. The industries, uh, you know, Intel, all the big the companies, good. the economy's good. So that's favorable for us. You have to look at, again, all those macro, variables, the yeah. macro perspective. I have a question for you. Um, yeah. So let's say if, if for someone out there that uses banks, uh, you know, let's say they bought a few houses, hard money, or they use other people's money, and now it's for them, it's time for them to build that portfolio within within a credit union or within a bank. Yeah. Um, a, do you have multiple LLCs that you have uh, different portfolios under, uh, different portfolios? Yeah. And B, do you use different banks for those portfolios, or you keep it under one bank? No, um, I've, I've used multiple banks, because obviously most banks want to vibe for your business, so I would never just like anything else go shopping. You can go to Whole Foods, you Do can go to Safeway, yes. you can go to Fries. How much are tortillas at this store? How much are they here? How much? Are they? Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Play the banks against themselves. Figure out, hey, here's what Joe Blow's offering. What I are you going to do? Offer. Right. So you may establish. Rela- I'm big on relationships, so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep stuff there. But, but you be, ask it them. Be it has fair, to be fair, fair and deal, equitable. Yeah. If the market's changing, yeah. I was doing business with the bank for a long time. I said, hey, it's time to renew this line of credit, and they were. I felt like they were bending me over a little bit. I'm like. Hey, just give me a few days. I'll get back with you. Knock on the next bank. Hey, we'd love to do business with you. There are two points under where I was. That saves, you know, thousands of dollars a month by knocking on a door. It's a Mm no-brainer. Go shopping, you know, for sure. And Um, LLCs. Oh, LLCs. Yes. I mean, ideally, look, each LLC is going to need a new tax ID number. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it's most there's people who are super anal. They have one house, one LLC. I don't have 200 LLCs. But yes, I have multiple LLCs just as a mitigation factor in terms of liability. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is getting a good commercial policy for any liabilities, trip and falls, things outside your mm-hmm. um, control, just in case there's an issue. And mm-hmm. so okay. it just gives you a layer of protection. You don't want to close in a, uh, on your personal name just because of liability. You'd l- prefer to use uh, an LLC. LLC. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. I have a few questions, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Angel uh, Quinones says, have you been sued by a tenant? I'm sure you have. Maybe not. No, they love you. Uh, if so, People what's the you. best way to protect yourself from sue happy tenants? I mean, look, and today's society, yeah. there's always, you know, people are, uh, yeah, they're so happy. They're so happy. But it's about doing the right thing. Again, I talked about before breathing and escalation. Most things you can cure. Get to the root of the issue. Have a Communicate with them. You That's don't right. want to just get abrasive or send nasty texts. Everything is fixable. You have an issue, maybe mm-hmm. a mold popped up. 
Get them in another home. Find out what the easy solution. Nobody wants to go to court. It's not a win-win. You no. know, what's a win-win in these situations? Most things you can figure out. How can you get a licensed individual to resolve whatever issue out there? If someone trip and fell, okay, you have yeah. insurance. You know, I've had a lady fall on one of the properties, and, you know, you have homeowner's insurance, and that resolves the issue. But, again, court's the last solution. Nobody yeah. – I don't want to go to court. I want to go out and buy houses. You know, you remind me of something. Uh, so I, I owned one rental property. Like, before – that rental property is what gave us the – the funds to actually buy our first and fix, fix and flip pretty much. Yep. And I remember one day the AC went out and it was hot. And what I did is I went to Walmart. I bought a couple of AC units, you know, the small ones. Yeah. A couple of AC units, put it out there while they while we go ahead and fix the AC. Sure. And in my head, I didn't even think about lawsuits or anything. In my I'm like, how can I keep the, the, the tenant happy? Sure. You know, like it's it's hot. You know, I'm sure he'll understand it'll take a couple of days to fix or maybe a day. But yep. what can I do for them to keep him happy right now? Absolutely. And I no. think that's the approach that, I mean, obviously you do it on a much, much bigger level. But back then I'm like, I want to make the make the tenant happy. Always. I agree with you. First of all, there's laws to protect the landlord. So it's not like someone calls and it's, you know, 92 degrees. I need somebody here. I'm sending the bill to, uh, you know, the Ritz-Carlton. It doesn't work like that. You know, get to understand and, and review the Landlord-Tenant Act to understand your responsibility and liabilities. And, yeah. how, of course, and how much time you and have. And how much time to, you have five yeah. days to get out there. And they can't send you the bill unless you, you know, didn't, yeah, you yeah. did something wrong. Understand those rules to protect yourself as a landlord and also understand um, if you're renting right now, understand the responsibility of the landlord. But again, you did exactly the right thing. Happy tenant, happy life. Happy yeah. wife, happy life. Same thing. I mean, really, it's a, how can we happy mitigate tenant, the situation now? We can only control certain things. I don't believe in my business. We Again, macro perspective, I'm not a Band-Aid guy. I'm a surgery guy. Mm. I understand that if I'm going to go up there and maybe the quick fix is swapping out the condenser, but the unit's 15 years old. Forget it. I'm going to no spend AC. five grand, put on a brand new AC. They're going to be happy. Hey, listen, I appreciate your patience. I could put on a quick condenser, but it's a Band-Aid. I'm going to order you a brand new unit. You're going to save money on your electrical bill for the long term. Um, it's going to be more powerful, and you're going to be happy. So I appreciate your patience. Just give me a day. No worries. And yeah, well, go well, to Home well, Depot. Plus, you don't have to worry about it for the next you know Correct. few years. It's one macro, last thing to macro, worry about. Macro, macro perspective. Macro, macro, I have buddies. Macro. They go to the gas station. I put it in here. They go. They fill up their car with five dollars in gas. Bucks, yeah. Okay, but That's and I'm like, you have twenty. Does. You have twenty bucks in your pocket. Yeah, I, I want five on it. I'm like, what do you mean you want five on it? Put the twenty in, and then it's don't you value they your time? I got five on. But I mean, <laughs> what, you, what do you value your time? You now you got to drive back, spend gas to go back. Put in the twenty. Invest now. Don't worry about <laughs> we, it later. We, uh, we that's the way that we um, we pretty much live our lives too. Right. You know, and I tell my fiance this all the time. time. I'm like, don't order one, like one bag of dog food. Order five. Correct. You know, you're gonna have Absolutely. to get it done at some point anyway. Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. A couple questions. Also, yeah. there's a lot. Uh, Gregory Gregory Ballard says definitely needed advice. I'm in the middle of my biggest raise of four million for a portfolio of a hundred. 39 motel units value add in Vegas about uh 10.9 cap. Uh actually he didn't ask the question uh is 10.9 cap a good cap rate? Holy yeah, crap. absolutely. In Vegas for 100 Any look, if you're getting a 10 cap or 11 cap, um it sounds high, especially if that's going to be a marketable deal. So in other words, if that was a, a deal that he's buying off market, great, but make sure you get into the financials. Anyone who's selling something on a 10 plus cap, an eight cap, sounds pretty high. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you spend good time on your due diligence Vetting to make sure that those numbers are the numbers. What are your sunk costs? Does it really yield that? People are gonna market things at the highest possible cap, mm -hmm. um, cap rate, but just be careful. Anything that high sounds uh, too good to be true. This is also a good question for you. Uh, Warner out of New York uh, says, 
What formula do you go by when determining if a property is is a good rental? That should be sure. an easy one for you. Yeah, it's a great a checklist form. or something. Yeah, um, there's not like a direct checklist. And again, it's not just I don't run in Excel. Again, I like to get out in the field. I want. Mm-hmm. I, I like to do the litmus test, kind of like Peter Lynch's daughters going to the mall. Mm-hmm. I want to drive the property. I want to mm-hmm. say, do I find this attractive? Would I feel comfortable putting my mom or my sister in in this home? Mm-hmm. How's the neighborhood? How you know? Um, so you want a personal cars. feel. I want a personal feel. Number one, that's my first litmus test. Then from there, if I like the asset, I look and say, hey, can I make somewhere between seven, eight, nine, ten percent on my money? So you're going to look and say, I'm going to have one month of vacancy. What are my construction costs? So not only are your what are your acquisition costs? How much I going to have to put in there? What is the appropriate rent? Um, how much is the HOA if there's a homeowners yeah. association? What are the taxes? Back into it. And do you get the 7, 8, 9, or 10%? And also, when you're buying it, are you paying market for that home? Or are you going to buy it below market so you have equity in that deal? So those are the questions that so, I ask. So you, you, you mentioned that you always kind of like you always carry plan B along with plan A. Yeah. What is your plan B when you're purchasing a house usually? My plan B is always if I if the market goes to shit and there's no liquidity like in the retail looking market, at it. I'm, talking about I'm looking, looking at, at it. my my plan B is always rent. If I'm gonna be stuck with this property, number one, the capital that I'm using on this is it cash, is it a line of credit? Mm-hmm. Where's the capital from? Is it sustainable to hold this? We talked about this yep. before. So if you're borrowing at 12%, you're getting eight. Uh, it's an inverse relationship. Mm-hmm. That's not really going to work out long term for you. If your burn rate is 12 and you're bringing in eight, you're going to have a 4% mm-hmm. negative deficit. So is this mm-hmm. property sustainable? Do I want to keep this in my portfolio mm-hmm. or is this something I want to sell? So you're looking at – so let's say for something that you keep, there's plan B obviously for something you keep as well. Yeah. So you're looking at interest rate and you're looking at equity in that. Interest rate, equity, sustainability. Sustainability. Um, yeah, interest rate in terms of cost of the capital, right? Do I have a better use of that yes. money? Can I buy other deals? Or not, you know. Okay. Do you buy in the hood at all? Absolutely. You know, look, a lot of people, this is a great <laughs> no, question. No, very, I serious. used to live up in D.C. Ranch, for example, and I was at the bank one day, and this guy's in his fancy suit, and he's telling the teller he's so excited. He owns three beautiful multi-million dollar homes, and life's good. I said, oh, that's amazing, sir. And he's looking at me. I'm in my torn jeans and shirt and, you know, look probably rusted up. But he's like, what do you do? I said, well, I have about, you know, 80 homes, but in Maryville. He's, Maryville? Why would you own over there? I go, well, let's talk about this for a second. Oh, there, we go. there we go. I said, why would I own over there? I said, so your three multi-million dollar homes, sexy to own those three houses. God bless you. So you have $9 million in homes. What are those rent for? Oh, I get $8,000 a property. Wow. So uh, $8,000 a property, that's $24,000 a month on $9 million. Well, I have, you know, all these houses that bring in, I bring in $80,000 a month and I'm at, you know, $2.4 million invested. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's not just sexy. You know, you're you're looking at the Mercedes, and you're not you're realizing what it costs you to run that Mercedes. Um, the Pento just, makes more money sometimes. There you go. So it's like <laughs> I care about cash flow. I don't care about sexiness. What is the so you talk about the stress? A lot of money. It's not just you know bragging. I have this sexy house. What is that going to yield for you? What's the passive income that's going to be derived from that? Your lowest income deals yeah. typically have the highest margins. People yeah. think it's sexy to buy these five, six, seven. If you look at my portfolio, large majority are 300 and under, and that's mm, our lower yeah. income market, mm-hmm. and that's healthy. It's not, you know, I don't tell these guys, you want to speculate in 800, a million? Good luck. There's a lot more risk. There's a lot less buyers. It's harder to rent that. Mm-hmm. It's an inverse relationship between the rents and that yield. Mm-hmm. So it's the sexy stuff is the lower income so stuff. So stay on the topic of, of the hood. Focus. Yeah, so... Uh, um, so Section Eight, yeah, that that's always like a touchy, you know. Between some investors love Section Eight, some mm. people hate it. Okay, 50/50, yeah. yeah, it's a fifty-fifty. So, what's your take on Section Eight? Um, 
I, it works for me. I've always been involved in the program. Um, how, many, uh, how many Section 8 homes uh, do you currently rent out? I think roughly? I have about 15 or so Section that's not, 8 that's homes. That's a very small percentage it's, it's, of your it's portfolio. It's roughly, you know, uh, 8% or yeah, so of the portfolio. Why not more? Um, first of all, it just takes a little bit longer the process. They're good tenants. You have to understand Section 8, um, the city guarantees the criteria a portion. Is crazy, yeah. yeah, I mean, they come in, do their inspection, which is fine. All my homes will qualify. But by the time they get the paperwork and then the inspections, it's a slower process. If the market was soft, you should embrace that because then, mm-hmm. hey, that's a great Guaranteed alternative. Yeah. But right yeah. now, in the hot rental market, I want to attend. They can move in tomorrow without going through all these different inspections. Yeah. That's, I don't mm-hmm. have any issues with passing them. It's just a long process, getting in the paperwork. It's just multiple steps. Mm-hmm. But once you have a Section 8 tenant, I'll tell you what, they don't like to move. It's nice to have a long-term tenant. You can raise the rents mm-hmm. to market um, value. capacity and value over time. Um, and you get a, a guaranteed, whether it's 50, 60, 70, or sometimes even a hundred percent of the money comes the first of the month, direct deposit into your account. What That's about, really what nice about the, because some people say, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure about this, but sure. they say section eight. Uh, the problem with that is not just because of time and the inspection is, um, that they actually run down the house or like the property itself. That's a no, myth. That's, that's a myth. Yeah. And I, that's what I, I was doing. Because they I like to stay in the, there, right? They want to no, stay and they could also to, lose their voucher. Their, their, their qualification mm-hmm. yeah. for, for uh, the I program. See. So yeah. it's a misconception. So a misconception. here we go. Yeah. Because I've heard yeah. this many times. People are like, no, I, I don't have, want. They have to be more careful than your average tenant. Right. Interesting. To stay in that program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have so, it. And plus there's annual inspection. So you're, you're guaranteed that they have to maintain the home. Not only that, I always require, regardless whether it's a section eight regular home, I need a one month security deposit minimum on my property. So if there was damages, who's losing the money? Not you as the landlord, they as the tenant, give them an itemized yeah. deduction on the list. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's one thing called normal wear and tear and there's excessive wear and tear. They have a vested interest to maintain the voucher to make sure that home is in good shape. So Quick I'm an question advocate. Also, uh, Alex uh, is asking, he's actually asked this question twice, so I, I definitely need to um, ask it. Do you acquire property subject to the existing loan? Never. Um, there's a lot of people out there and there's good information out there. Um, but one of the benefits I personally bring to the table is capital. So I don't like to, you know, I don't want to buy a deal assuming somebody else's mortgage or subordinate mm-hmm. any debt. To me, it's just sticky. A lot of people are making money on it and read into it. And there's, yeah. there's options. I've never sticky. done You're looking that. at the macro because you want I want that. Macro. I just want to pay it off. I yeah. don't want to have somebody else's name uh, on the mm-hmm. loan. I just want everything paid off and clean. So I like doing that. It's also much more valuable for the seller because guess what? Those sellers are still liable. Mm-hmm. So if you're assuming someone's mortgage, if, if it's allowable, if they don't call what's called the due on sale clause. So a lot of times if they physically sell the property, you go through title, the bank has the right to call that note. So all of a sudden you may have assumed the mortgage thinks everything good. And all of a sudden but the bank then, says, hey, you sold, we need to be paid off in full. How are you going to handle that? Going back to macro and plan B. I'm just going to pay it off and move forward. I have the ability to do that. If you don't have the ability, you can look into it, but just well, be you careful. Work your way out of it. Uh, if the bank has a due on sale clause, you know. Yeah. I have a question. Do you, um, you're, you're, you said you're not big on technology and everything, but you, you may know uh, VRBO and Airbnb yes. is like a thing now. Yes. Actually, we're going tomorrow. We're traveling tomorrow, and we're staying in a Airbnb property, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, do you do you like that? Do you do that? Great question. I always was anti it, and you see these people here and making money, and it's great. You can make money in anything if you have a good business model, right? So instead of just calling it out, I'm gonna put you know I'm gonna dip my toe in the water. So I bought a VRBO. I'm gonna try this Airbnb. Worst experience I've ever had. I, I put twenty five thousand in this home. It's wow. a beautiful home on a golf course. You're buying all this stuff. Then you get these people coming in there. 
uh, there was a scratch on the wall. We want a full refund. I mean, this is not the Ritz Carlton. This is a beautiful, you know, half a million dollar home. But all of a sudden, the time is this. Time is money. By the time you're sitting there managing it, trying to make, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars a month, one acquisition a month that's diverting your time from yeah. costs you a lot more money. So focus on what your expertise is. I want to try it out. God bless yeah. everyone that's doing it. But if they're focused on that. Yeah. yeah, if you have one, two, three, and you're putting your own time and energy, but you're neglecting, you've got to pay yourself to manage that or you outsource mm-hmm. and then you're paying a company 15 or 20%. So I personally don't love it. And another thing is, What's the barrier to entry? Anyone yeah. can put their home on there. So yeah. I don't love a business model, that the sustainability, can. where there's a, a influx of supply, where anyone can come in that model. That's going to drive prices down. I want to be, I'm not a fan well, of that business. Before that's, I, that's gold right there. Yeah. yeah. Before I before I ask the next question, because these questions just keep, I mean, it's I'm getting crazy. It, it's it's getting crazy. So <laughs> before I ask the next question, guys, um, I just want to ask our audience real quick. Guys, have you guys truly, truly valued and appreciated this man's presence today and the gems he's dropping? Because as you can see, we've been pretty quiet just listening, right? I mean, I'm listening. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, Show my man some hearts and love if you guys are truly appreciating this. And then we'll keep the questions coming. Um, Again, okay, here comes the hearts now. If you guys appreciate this man's time and, and knowledge on this podcast today show them some love show them some hearts uh alex i see you showing some love so it's coming that, we're bro. a little delayed we're a little de- okay there it is it's coming now it's coming now so while you're doing that i'm going to say one thing that i think is important one of the gems i want to say um, there you go it's coming yeah now. let's start going down it. this list so I you, no uh, i mean just things i want to talk about that i think are important but um guys this business it's a great business it's a serious business but also i always strive and i, I like to say i want to i want to do business with people that want to have it's, fun it's all love That's that good, yeah. um so have fun with what you do it's, listen be a guarantee if you you um, yeah. sign up to buy a deal or a property or an assignment, make sure you have the ability to execute, but also build those relationships and have fun. After you buy, you ink the deal, take time to relax, maybe grab a beer with the individual and mm. celebrate. It's mm. all about the relationships. People are so much caught up on, hey, let's keep making more money, this mm. and that. Money's great and all that, but at the end of the day, it's about the longevity, Long the relationships, term. having fun. It's a do we people's have fun? business. We get to, it, huh. Do business with people you enjoy doing business with. People call Absolutely. me, you're a dick on the phone or you're aggressive. I don't need your deals. Nobody wants to work with you. Have fun. Like, treat everybody respectfully. Again, there's a reason I've been doing this 17 years. I only work with people that I want to work with. If you, I did a deal the other day. A guy calls me up. A guy, I've said this story before. A guy says, what do you want for the property? He says, 195 I said, I need to see it. I drive out there. I drive an hour to it. I'm like, all right, I'm good at 195 You go to shake his hand. He goes, I'll let you know. I said, what do you mean what? you'll let me? I swear to God, I'll let you know. He's a younger wholesaler. I said, listen, man, there's sharks. There's minnows out there. As you're coming up, everyone starts out as a minnow. I was a minnow. You know, when you work your way up the food chain, you don't want to get eaten real quickly. Don't burn bridges. Like, yeah. I, you know, either shake my hand. I'm not trying to be aggressive, but you're asking 195 It's one thing if I told you 194.5, 192 I'm giving you a full price offer, no contingencies. But he goes, I want to give other people a chance. You have a bird in the this hand. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, hold on. But why would you have me drive out here in the first place? All that doesn't yeah, make yeah, any sense. And he sold to somebody else. I said, never call me again. I'm not interested in buying your deals. What a waste of time. So, listen, if you're going to engage with somebody, it's disrespectful. He could have done stupid. it in a better way. But, there, a better but I said, why is it about the money? Do you want more money? No, I just want to give other people a chance. Well, then why would you call? I've already closed one-year deals. So why are you playing this game? It's the dumbest thing ever. Mm. You so don't just be bridges. a guarantee. Don't burn bridges. 
if you're asking for a number again, leave me it on the bone for somebody. It was a fair price. Yeah. And I think he called me, do you want the deal? Not anymore. You rubbed me the wrong way. I don't need to buy your house. If you have a bird in the hand and a good relationship, cultivate that. A large mm. majority of my properties comes from just a couple guys. The normal. So yeah. it's all, you know, strategic long-term relationships because right. they know you're going to execute. So That's don't right. burn bridges. Quick question for you. Uh, Angel wants to know, what term length do you prefer to put on your rentals? 30-year fix, 15-year, et cetera? What do you... What is what is your preference? Sure, I don't because I use lines of credit. Um, but if I was gonna, if I knew that I'm gonna hold that asset for 30 years, yeah, especially with low interest rates right now, lock in the longest possible term. And what you can do is um, run an amortization. So get a 30 year, but you can pay it down on a 15, which is great. So if mm -hmm. you start playing with amortization schedules and tables, always lock in the longest rate. Why? Contingency plan. What happens in 15 years? You don't pay it off, and the interest rates are higher. What? Yeah. You know what you're going to get for rent. You know what your now, payment yeah. is. Guess what? You can you can get a 30-year so you're secure, but run a 15-year AM and make the 15-year payments and pay it off if the rents can afford to pay for that. That's love the it. best advice Beautiful. I can give you. Love it. Well, let's get through some of your notes, man. Uh, no, I mean, these are just are gems you? I was talking about. Um, listen, without David Coggins, another guy you asked me, like people that I love. I love Coggins. The guy was a big, do you guys know David Coggins? No, I'm he's write great. That down. He's I know a David beast. Goggins. Not yeah, Coggins. he's a big uh, ex military guy. Wait, wait, that's oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the same Goggins. guy. David Goggins. Yeah, Goggins. Yeah. Uh, Navy he, Seal? I just yeah, followed yeah, yeah. him. He follows no one back. Goggins. By the way. He's the only guy. Yeah. He's amazing. I love his, you know, a guy asked me in the gym the other day, how do you stay motivated? He's an animal. I, I, I wake up, I, I love the hunt. Like him, he goes for a run. If it's 150 degrees, out the running with the water. If I'm not fucking hurting, I'm not growing, you know? Mm, I mean, we're all mm. going to experience pain. It's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and start buying houses. You got to start knocking the door, start sweating, rolling up your sleeves. Like, there's no tricks to the trade, but get yeah. your car out of neutral and put it in drive, mm. you know? Period. I love it. Um, what else? I mean, let's go over some of your notes. I want people, before we close this thing out, like, I really... Uh, sure. Want to go over? I mean, everything, some, some yeah. stuff that I talk about before. Again, I like to have fun. There's a time to be serious, a time to be relaxed. You go into title companies, engage the girls at the front, engage the title people. Continue to um, ask questions to people. Anyone in this business on the food chain, which is your title people, lenders, wholesalers, everybody, ask them. Have fun with them. Take them out to eat. Get to know them. You want to be the first yeah. call on the list, not the They're last. They're your partners in one They're way or another. They're your partners. If somebody, a title person, you, which you forget, you walk in to drop off earnest money. Most people walk in. They say, "Here's my earnest money." Have nice day no hi what's your name what do you do great um if any deal falls apart and you need someone to come in and close could you put my name down first on the list oh sure think outside the box what is everyone not doing take the extra steps right. i'm huge on consultative selling i'm vertically integrated which means that i carry my license i'm buying it direct i'm selling it myself you know i got my own crews and contractors um so i'm engaging with a lot of people if an agent calls me and says zach i'm calling on your home over here on 226 south 15th street cool um what other clients do you have so instead of just hanging up the phone it's 195 good luck Oh, great. Thanks for the call. Um, do you ever come across distressed assets? Do you ever have motivated sellers? Think outside the box. Every interaction that you make, maximize that to get the most juice out of it. If you take a, an orange and you put it in your hand, you squeeze it a little bit, you're going to get some you know, pulp and some juice. Couple if drops. I put it in, a, in a, a wench and I squeeze a little more, go squeeze out everything you can out of every interaction. Mm -hmm. If you're working out in the morning, Try and push yourself. I don't believe in complacency. I want to keep growing my mind, my I body, my business, and keep pushing. You're a growth junkie. Someone mm. asked a good question. What are your thoughts on the market right now? Is it going to keep stable for another year or two? 
Um, Good question. You know, if I knew that, I'm, all the boys were going to go to Vegas tomorrow yeah. for Carlos's uh, bachelor <laughs> Miami. party. Miami. I'm being facetious. And we'll roll mm. the dice if I knew that. I can't predict the future. No some, one can. Some craps. Yeah, exactly. We'll play some craps. <laughs> we know that. Um, Listen, all I can control is my investments and my strategic leverage. Uh, I'm optimistic that our market is super strong right now, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah. And therefore, I'm not just throwing money out there wildly. I'm making sure that, again, if the market does correct um, to some level, that I have the stability and the, the means to mm -hmm. Plus, manage the volatility. If, would you say, and because this is something I've been saying, the way that we buy properties, don't you think if the market corrects itself by 10, 15, 20%, the way we buy properties, we're still in good shape. Absolutely. I mean, we're buying 50, 60 Correct. cents. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're buying it, it's all in the acquisitions. If you're buying it right and there's a small crash, let's say the market corrects 10%, which would be significant, but you're buying at 60 or 70, you still have equity in there. Yeah. And by the way, if you're making 6 or 7 or 8% on your equity, then it washes wow. itself yeah. out. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. You saw a 50% correction, yeah, we're all going to be in trouble. Did that happen you know? in 08, uh, 07, 08? Was it like a 50%? What? It was like a 75% correction. From that's the never top. happened. That's right? never happened. I mean, in the ROTC days in the 80s, there was a massive correction as well. And there probably at some point I've never maybe. seen that or heard of that. And God willing, that never happens again. But if it does, just again, be prepared. Just, Think about it. What happens? If you have long-term debt on there, that's why you get a 30-year versus a 15 do everything in a conservative capacity. That's the other thing I didn't understand, by the way, when the crash happened, right? I had friends at that time that had great jobs. They were making, you know, four, five K a month, six K a month. And they went into these properties at that time, you know, right. buying properties for 225, 250. That was your average, kind of yeah. like now, right? And and I'm like, wait, wait, why is everybody freaking out? Because they went up, they went upside down. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute, when you went into this loan. You could afford the payment, mm -hmm. and you still have the same job. You know what's changed on your personal side? Was it, was it the arm loans? No, they no, it wasn't. Like on the thirty-year fixes at you know six, seven, eight yeah. percent, whatever they had going so on. For those ones, nothing changed. But nothing I, I would changed. But, for they, the ones but that their, changed. their perspective changed. They're like, oh my god, I own this property yeah. for two fifty, and it's worth one fifty now. Correct. That does, it. That, so, but it didn't make what? sense that they were just they, they would just, check out. They would yeah. just check out because yeah. there was market fear and people don't operate again. If you have a clear mindset, it's kind of when fear. it rains here in Arizona and people can't drive, right? Correct. When it <laughs> rains, it pours. But again, now let's talk about that. That person, the house went from two fifty to one fifty. They would have just kept paying that mortgage. That house is two fifty today, and it could yeah. have been rented Probably and more. covered the debt. Exactly. Now so their you credit shot. The court, no. You think about the long trajectory. You know, if you think you're going to be buying stuff and getting in and out the next day, there's no guarantee in anything. The only guarantee is you can be a guarantee to yourself. You can't control conditions, but what you can control is your leverage, your financing, That's and everything right. about you and your strategic partnerships. Yeah, I got wow. a question, Mr. Zach. So, two hundred plus properties. Is there ever a day where you just mm. you just don't feel like? doing anything or like like just motivated to keep going like what what kind of keep like what keeps you going like you would think yeah. like you know for somebody just starting like oh if i have 20 rental properties and it covers my my debt and and you know financial freedom like yeah. i'm i'm done you know why why haven't you stopped and why do you keep going i love to hunt i love competition everything i do it's kind of the art of the game it's in my blood right like you guys wow you hunter. have yeah we're hunters like we 
love it. I'm passionate about it. If I wasn't passionate about it or I was disengaged, I wouldn't do it. It's not about the money. I love the art of the game. I like seeing things through. I like the relationships. I like the family. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. lifestyle. Additionally, we talked about this before. You said, hey, um, Sal says, hey, would you engage those partnerships again? And yes, um, absolutely. I care about the longevity and the future of the guys that brought me here. All my contractors, their families. That food chain, don't forget, again, we all started out as minnows and you get up Mm -hmm. in the food chain. Uh, Actually, we started out as guppies. Okay, well, yeah, guppies. I started <laughs> no, as we nothing. Still, we were guppies. <laughs> you were a minnow. Now we're all little, little men. But the point is, I care about, again, my why is one, I'd like to leave a legacy, God willing, I have a family and whatnot, or my nieces and nephews, um, but also for the guys that have got me here, the capital partners, mm-hmm. and for. Um, you know, the crews and their families. I mean, it's so nice to see every Friday. I personally pay every one of my guys, write them a check. I don't care if it's one in the morning, you're going to get paid Friday, mm. no matter what. Your guys and I love like you. seeing uh, the smile on their faces, walking the homes with them, the engagement, and then them supporting their family. So I care about their longevity as well. It's not, everything is bigger than yourself. Do you, ever, um, do you ever do like a, what do you call it? Like a team outing with them? Like take them out somewhere, do something. Because you got a you got a couple crews. We, and we stuff, do right? we do a our picnic. Uh, ca- carne asadas. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. You know, it's on a Friday. It's one of the guys' birthdays. The seafood, the, uh, seafood. the seafood, uh, the seafood, uh, the mariscos. Oh, oh, yeah, that place no, is amazing. <laughs> 16th and Garfield. Boom. Uh, was, so was, that, was your was your mindset always like that, or did you reach like a certain point where like okay, bills are covered, I can take care of this, this, and that, I'm good, like. It was never. Like, I did, was never good. It doesn't matter. It's not. Again, it's not. My point is like, did you ever feel comfortable? Because I feel like for a lot of people, they they're chasing that comfort, mm-hmm. and I think when you get to that comfort, it's like this isn't really yeah, what I was looking I don't, for. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I'll let him answer, but I've never chased comfort, and I know you haven't either. Yeah, well, that's the thing because maybe, I, because maybe, when you're comfortable, like some have you, we've all had those couple of days. It's at maybe home not comfort. It's it's more stability. Like because like but it like it for turns me boring it it does yeah so for me it was like like I just need to I just need to make like two grand three grand like literally when I started it was like I just make like so, three grand to cover bills good. so I don't have to live like in fear mm-hmm. like almost and then then you make ten grand it's just like but it, it really never stops like there is no place of comfort and that's really what I'm trying to make aware to our audience like there's there's no there's like there's no horizon so like what like I guess what Which, Go ahead. Brings me to my next. Uh, I'm gonna say something if I may. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wake up in my mindset poor every day. I could tell you that. I like Starf- the hunt. Yeah. I'm starving every morning. Yeah. I I put my bank accounts to zero, and you know you reap what you sow, you catch what you you know you fish. You know you're only as good as that day. I like that mentality. I, I just that. That's what I was, do. Yeah, okay. So I don't want to be in a necessary position where I feel comfortable because then I'm not motivated. Um, I'll tell you what, I go to the store and I, I'm looking at, geez, coconut water, $2.99 for this? Even to this day, I'm frugal as shit. I don't care about material <laughs> things. I'm like, eh, I'm going to pass on the coconut water. I don't know why. It's just in my blood. I want to find it. Oh, it's on sale today? I'll take six of those. I'll get them next week. I'll wait for that to go on sale. I want the deal. Yeah, the good it's just deal. in my blood. Give me we're a good su- deal. We're suckers for good deals. Yeah. So I want to ask a question after Carl's question, and we'll conduct this because we're over time. But Carlos, go ahead. Ask the question that you wanted to ask. Whoa, I got one more too. Uh, oh, more. oh, okay. I'm what sorry. What is your, what is your, what is your SFR? What is your single family residence portfolio as far as like what is the goal? Like, five hundred, you know, units, a thousand uh, units. What is your goal? I mean, we're question. sitting here, yep. we're talking about hunting. When does the hunt stop? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, every day as yeah. long as I'm physically able to keep going. To just double, you know, right now my goal is to double. The bankers ask me the same question. Hey, you applied for more lines of credit. 
what do you plan on deploying it with? I said, well, I'm not going to go buy cocaine, sir. I'm going to go out and buy, you know, more SFRs. I put that on. Uh, no, obviously, I said, every time I call in, they're like, we see these lines go up and down. What are you doing with the money? I said, well, absolutely, I'm buying, you know, real yeah. tangible assets to continue to grow the passive income. I like to know that if I'm at the gym lifting, that money's being made if I'm on my phone or not. And that's what I love. Yeah. A lot of times the wholesale business say you're only as good as your last deal. Yeah. It's all, to me, it's about the passive income. Those Continuity, are great because yeah. you're mitigating risk. You sell it, you're not carrying market risk. Uh -huh. But in the same respect, I like to know I can go on vacation and know that every day I'm getting X amount of dollars yeah. coming in from rents. That makes me feel good. But again, I erase that in my mind. I compartmentalize that so I wake up broke, assume I have no rentals and uh, feast or famine. You know. Last question mm. for me. Is before you leave, uh, yeah. can I take copies of your of your notes? Because there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of good stuff Absolutely. in here. Absolutely. Yeah, we can I go like through this. it further. I love These are it. things that I thought of. Again, a lot of times it's important to shut the phone down. I did this on the plane. I went I out uh, for my cousin's wedding. And you think about, hey, what are gems that I wish people would have told me or ways to operate or, you know. Are you um, leaving? Can you look through this? Are you leaving anything out that you think the audience just absolutely needs to know? Yeah, I mean, look. I see. A, I see doers of, and yeah. talkers, aka losers, get up, get going. But let, let, is there anything just crazy on here that you're like that you got to hear? I this. wish I would have heard of this. Yes. Um, yeah, a couple things. So again, we you guys do it the same thing. I reinvest everything in my business. I don't take stuff, and I did well, and I'm not going to go out and buy you know five. I know, hey, fancy cars, no disrespect, but I'm going to put it all back in my business. I want the passive income. Mm -hmm. I want to invest in stuff that's going to be an asset, not a liability. Um, on your remodel projects, if you're an you know if you're an investor and you're rehabbing, you can't do everything. You have to figure out again macro perspective. If I leave this red rock on the far east side of the property, will the end user buyer coming in to look at it? Will that have an impact? You can't try to make everything perfect. You can get things at 95%, 90%, focus on the big ticket items, but you can always leave a little something for that end person. Um, mm. Also take away your personalization. Just because you may like contemporary, you have to operate, and if you're going to a lower income area, maybe mm -hmm. it's you know uh, Latino, yep. they may like the browns versus the, the grays. Yeah. Take away your individuality and go out and ask neighbors or other people in that neighborhood or look on the MLS and say, don't reinvent the wheel in this business. It's already turning. Go out and research what is sold in this neighborhood, what did that property yield, what are their finishes? You can just copy that. Amazing. Be diligent. Don't just you know um, uh, yeah, do your own stuff. I've done stuff. that already. Have just copy the best comp, and then I I when I do that, I usually set the new comp. It Absolutely. All the time, yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, my question was kind of similar to Carlos' question, but yeah. a little bit different. So uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't so much as for your portfolio itself. Like, what's the next? Like, I know there you have a goal. Like, you want to double your portfolio. Mm -hmm. That's that's a goal. But what's the end goal for Zach? For like. Zach Ventures, Zach Keeps, whatever it is, like for personal business, everything. What's the end goal for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, mm -hmm. I think about all that time. I get asked many times to say, how do you find your passion? I'm blessed that I'm passionate about this. If I got disengaged or I didn't love it, this is what I like to tell people. My guard at uh, my community says, Mr. Keeps, Mr. Keeps, what uh, – I'm trying to find my passion. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I said, let me rephrase this question to you. Tomorrow you wake up and you have the winning lotto ticket. You win $100 million. Money's no longer an issue to you. What do you do? What do you do with your time? What do you well, say? I don't know. He goes, well, I like to skateboard. I like to, I says, okay, so you could start a skateboarding company. Do you like to travel? So you say to yourself, if mo money's no longer an issue, mm -hmm. what do you do with your time? That's your passion. You know, you can deduce that. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed that I'm passionate. I love to come. I chat with you guys all day long. Mm -hmm. I love this stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I get excited yeah. to engage with good people, to grow my mind. I like physical fitness. I like to travel, but most importantly, I love deals and I like doing deals you with love good business. people. I love mm. business. I would let, continue doing let, this. Let me, let me, yeah, let me add something to that. Yeah. That's the problem with a lot of people. 
they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what their passion is. That is, pro- in my opinion, that is right. problem number one because right. you can't use money as an example. Mm-hmm. We didn't have money. Sure. We didn't have money like that to start, you know, to, to be where we are now, thank God. We so we you can't even use money as an example. Did you have money when you started? Uh, nothing. You know what's crazy you that see, there's people in college. Three thousand. There's people are in college right now, and you ask them what's your major. They they're like I don't know what I want to do. They're just there to be there. Right. And that is sad. Yeah. That that's sad to, to well, watch. So m- most most degrees actually don't even get applied to to the trade that they study. because because right. by while they're in it they don't know like I don't think people want to take take the step back. Hey, what do I really want to do? They just do what everybody else does, like they want or, to be or whatever there. their parents want them to do, or, or you know whatever you know, and and that's the problem. I think that the first thing you need to do is you need to identify. discover your passion, identify your passion, mm-hmm. and the only way that that's going to happen is by trying different things and and p- potentially failing at different things. I agree a thousand percent, and I said it before. You yeah. can you look did, at podcasts. Didn't you do stocks? You did stocks. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved. I looked at stocks, read the market, did bagel businesses. I was not. You were all entrepreneurs. We yeah. like starting things and seeing them through. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you got to get out in the trenches. You could sit back on a couch, go out, go to a mall. What do you engage? You like sports? You want to be a personal trainer? You mm-hmm. want to be a driver? There's 10 million different things out there to do. But what excites you? What do you like to do? Mm-hmm. If you like to do something, it's not work. It's passion that's and right. make money on that. You're going to be that, happy. That, and Amazing. that's the beautiful part is that your passion becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I, I promise you this. You yep. can ask Luigi. I was hitting him up at like seven in the morning. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, like, right? So, like, aside from real estate, are you in any other businesses? Just um, is I, Mr. I'm, Zach Ventures in any other ventures? I'm in, I'm in uh, you know, all real estate, uh, and I do invest in some side businesses um, through some family members. Beautiful. Um, a little bit, but you want diversification. I want to say this too. Um, obviously, we know it's a big space, but it's a small world. In Spanish, they say "el mundo es un penuelo." You know, so um, which means the world is, is like "es un penuelo." The world penuelo? is a handkerchief. Oh, uh, no, I don't. Know. I don't know how to El say. El mundo es un penuelo. Pañuelo. Pañuelo. Pa. Pan. Nue. Pañuelo. Un pañuelo. Un pañuelo. Handkerchief. Pañuelo. I get pan-uelo. it. Pañuelo. Um, the world's and, a handkerchief. And, and so it's just again important to treat everybody well. You never know who you're dealing with. Um, being loyal, being a guarantee. You know, it's a small world. Don't screw anyone in this business. Stay in your own lane. I, I made some. Um, you know, references on my Instagram on that. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Drive that car. Move forward. Focus on yourself. Don't worry about anybody else, what they make, and take emotion out of these deals. So many people get wrapped up. Oh, so-and-so just made this or they made that. Nobody knows what they spent to get that mm-hmm. or what their mm-hmm. hardships were to get yeah, there. Yeah. Just focus on what you do. You're going to be much better off. Luis, you know? are you able to put his um yeah. uh, his at, uh, yeah, so his, his social media? If somebody wants to sell you a deal or contact you for yeah, any, any of the above reasons, yeah. where can they find you? You can go on my Zach Ventures Instagram, email me on there. And Where can uh, they email? Respond. Email maybe deals. Zkeeps at gmail.com. <laughs> how do you, how do you how do you spell that? Isn't a pañuelo a diaper? No, uh, no, that's pañal. That's pañal. Yeah. There you go. What what? Oh, how do you, what's the email? Z k e p e s at gmail.com. Got it. it. Sweet. Yep. Zachary keeps there. So what, before I, guys, I gotta ask this because this I mean, is, my, blunt, this my is, mind is yeah. This is three. This was asked three different times. What would be your best advice for someone to try to raise private capital? Because I know what you did. You said you flew everybody in, people that you knew. I flew out there, went and engaged. Literally, you asked the questions. One of my largest investors, I was doing a deal. And again, mm-hmm. this is uh, about consultative selling, consultatively. 
I'm doing a deal because when things were tough, I just was doing traditional real estate, representing a buddy on a deal, actually the safari project. Mm -hmm. And uh, the agent, the cross-selling agent, I said to her, do you know anyone that wants to buy notes? She goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, let me rephrase. Do you have any high net worth friends? I knew that she lived in Silverleaf. Silverleaf is one of the most prestigious areas in I don't Arizona. even know where that is. It's up uh, north of DC Ranch where you know, oh, okay. people have millions of dollars. The homes are crazy. She goes, well, I have people, yeah, that want to invest all the time. She goes, well, I'll have the guy call you. Well, thank you so much. You just engaged wow. one lady that I didn't mm -hmm. even know before. Guy calls me up. He's like, I'm interested in buying some notes. So we'll come on out and uh, I'll show you around. He goes, he flies in. He goes, love your business. I pick him up in a beat up car. I didn't even think of what people laugh at my Prius. It's all beat up with, you know, uh, a bunch of junk, uh, bunch of junk in there, dog hair. He's like, man, I love you. You're just straight to the point. You're not giving any BS. You're transparent. He goes, not only do I want to buy the notes, but I want to uh, invest in your business. Ah. And that was great. That was from a random person. It wasn't family or friend. It was a third party that I simply asked one question. Do you know any high net worth individuals? So ask the question. You're out and about. Get outside your comfort zone. No one's going to start throwing money at you, uh, number mm. one, until you have a, a track record. So you got to start mm. doing some deals. Again, take it out of neutral, go into drive, ask the questions, prove yourself, be transparent, yeah. set up the proper protocols, statue of frauds, getting things in writing for their protection, tell them why they should invest in you. And again, we talked about it before. If someone's got money in a, in a money market at 1% and you can invest and get five, 10 times that or whatever it may be, no it's, a, it's a no brainer. What are some basic, basic stepping stones for like a track record? Like how do you... Sure. I mean, I, I did that. Well, yeah. So you're going to document. You could show on an Excel. Here, here's my history. My track record is Love I've it. done X amount of deals. This is what the yields were. Mm -hmm. the, the past is no longer, it's not a 100% future dictator of, of success in the future, but I feel pretty comfortable doing that. I did all these deals and I've lost on two out of 2,000 or whatever the numbers were at the time. And this is what I'm going to do to mitigate and mm -hmm. protect you 100%. Um, right. So you just want to just be transparent and honest, keep a record of uh, and a log of the deals you've done and what the yields were yep. so you can show them and give kind of a pro forma, um, which is an estimation On, essentially of what's going to be. You know, give them all the data. Take pictures of the asset that you're buying. Give the comps. Give them a whole. Make it as easy as possible. Here's a book of this asset that we're going to buy, and this is why I'm going to. This is how I'm going to utilize the money. This is what it's worth, and uh, this is where the money's going. And this, this is, is crazy. Yield. This is like uh, you don't have to read a book, <laughs> right? Like you don't. You don't have to read a book. Money about with a podcast about investing. You can literally just. Look at this Do episode. You know and any high level net worth or high high net worth yeah. individuals, and that's what. That's it, question. Yeah. Yeah. I or it. Do you have anyone that wants passive income or an alternative investment vehicle outside of you know their normal investment? I have a question for you because yeah. we're we're raising a lot of money recently. Yeah. Um, you you put together a fund. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you put together a fund. Now with the fund, you you do have to guarantee a specific percentage back, right? You can't guarantee. There's no, if you use the word guarantee, you're going out of business. There's no guarantee in anything. You could give projections, you could give estimations, but there's no guarantee. You could do a preferred return. There's no guarantee. Preferred return. And then if, if there's a guarantee, you could give somebody two percent on the money because it's guaranteed. The higher the return they're going to get, the less of a guarantee because so, well, so they're incurring how risk. You, how would you structure that? Let's just say I have three high network, uh, high net worth individuals. Yeah. And I say, you know what? I'm gonna get ten, ten, and ten. Like just say, ten million a piece, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Hey, preferred I, returns. Preferred, preferred returns of, of five what, to six. To, whatever you guys feel that that makes mutually agreeable. So the sense guarantee is pretty you. much your business model. There's no guarantee. Again, take the uh, guarantee. Anyway, yeah. Guarantee is you executing on the deal. Like I tell people, I'm a guarantee. Yeah. The only way I'm not a guarantee, I get hit by a car, I'm dead. I'm sorry, I can't yeah. perform, but hopefully the trust will close on the deal and you'll be taken care of. Take away guarantees <laughs> still outside of, of the that. Yeah, uh, 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 close that deal while he's dead, right? Totally. I'm like, don't worry. I called my mom. I told her to put the money. 
money in place in an escrow account. So if something <laughs> happens crazy. to me, they'll fund. Yeah. But again, I always like to say preferred returns or just make sure that, hey, guys, I'm not going to get paid until you get paid. That's going to make an investor feel much Love more it. comfortable. So you have a full vested interest in the deal. Think That's about right. this to these guys raising money. A lot of times I'm going to take a management fee, an acquisitions fee. Well, if I'm an investor and you're getting paid on the front end, I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, hey, guess what, buddy? All my skin is in the game and I'm proving it. And I have outside accountants that are going to break down every single expenditure. Here's a record of the deal from the acquisition to the insurance, mm-hmm. to the utilities. I'm going to give you a full breakdown and here's your return. And here you go. And they're going to love that. All make right. it transparent. Make it clear. There's no guarantees. But also, I don't make any money unless you make money. And guess what? If the deal's a loser, I'm in for 50% mm, too. Yep. Now I have skin in the game. They like that. Mm. I think, uh, okay, sir. The, the room is been on pleasure. fire. Appreciate That's, you, bro. Wow. This is that. Gentlemen, it's been real. We're, we're going to close out here. Episode 33, Mr. Larry Legend, a.k.a. Zach Keeps. <laughs> the bird. Uh, share this with as many people as possible. I mean, this was an amazing, amazing, informative uh, episode, guys. And uh, God bless you guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Until next Peace. time. Crash to cash. Have a great day. <laughs>